You are listening to audio from First Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach. If you would like more resources or to watch our service online, please visit fbcfwb.org. Listen in as Pastor Wade helps us abide in Christ and advance the gospel through the teaching and the proclamation of God's Word. When you grow up in a small town, you are asked a question frequently. And that question is, who's your dad? Your identity is tied in so closely with who your father is. And so when I am in Perry, Florida, uh, people know that my name is Wade Humphreys, but more people know me as the son of Buddy Humphreys. In fact, this weekend, my oldest son is hunting over in our, in our hometown, and he took a deer to the processor, and uh, they knew him because they knew his grandpa, Buddy Humphreys. He's another Humphreys. And so we are tied in to our uh, families. We, we find our identity in who our fathers are. And that's certainly true in a small town in every situation. In a like manner, spiritually speaking, uh, the Lord wants us to understand that our identity is tied in to who our Father is. And we need to understand this. We understand what it means to be a Christian. So keeping that in mind, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to read verses 5 and 6. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. We are continuing our study line by line, verse by verse, this wonderful epistle, this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a group of Christians in the city of Ephesus in the first century. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. I want to ask you this morning, if you are physically able to please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. The Bible says, and actually need to pick up the last part of verse 4 because I believe that last little phrase in verse 4 fits with verse 5. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I pray that you would use your word today to help us to understand our identity as Christians and that we would rejoice in that identity and let that identity move us towards a closer walk with you. Help us to understand this this spiritual blessing that is ours in Christ, that we can call you Father. I pray that by your Spirit you'd open the eyes of our hearts, give us understanding, and give us wherewithal to respond to the truth that you show us. And we'll thank you and praise you for that grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. As we began this study of the book of Ephesians, we said that the theme of this book, in one sentence, is this. 
We experience God's grace in Christ which saves us, unites us with other believers, and strengthens our Christian walk. And this book, this letter, divides really in half. Chapters 1 through 3 speak of our wealth in Christ, all the blessings that are ours because Jesus died for us and rose from the grave. And chapters 4 through 6 speak of our walk in Christ, how we ought to live in response to all that God has done for us. And in verse 3 of chapter 1 and going all the way down through verse 14, we find in the, in the original Greek a single long sentence. It is a run-on sentence of 202 words. And the purpose of this sentence is to convey to the readers all of the blessings that are ours as Christians. In fact, look how the sentence starts in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ, in relationship with Christ, with every, every, every spiritual blessing. And the rest of this sentence, going down through verse 14, begins to outline some of those blessings, to, to share some of those blessings so that we understand them. And so last week we talked about the blessing of election, the fact that he chose us. This morning we're going to see how God adopted us. Then we're going to talk about how God forgave us, how he made known to us the mystery of his will, how he gave us an inheritance, how he sealed us in the spirit. We're going to talk about each of those individual spiritual blessings in Christ. But this morning I want to focus on that word in verse 5, uh, adoption. Adoption. How God in Christ adopted us. What I want to do is I want to share three aspects of spiritual adoption. So we understand what this word means in terms of our relationship with God. So aspect number one, I want you to see the motivation for adoption. The motivation for adoption. Look what it says there in verse 4. Again, this phrase fits better with, with verse 5 than the end of verse 4. It just, it just makes more grammatical sense. In love, he predestined us to adoption as, or, or for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Now, last week we said that the word predestined means to mark out the boundaries beforehand. And the boundaries are Christ. If you are in Christ, you are saved. If you are outside of Christ, you are not saved. And in love, God marked out the boundaries of salvation. In love, God made a way for you and I to be saved. And the way that you and I are saved is in a relationship, faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And it says there that part of this, this salvation that we experience in Christ is adoption. He predetermined, he marked out the boundaries beforehand that if we are in Christ... Not only are we forgiven of our sins, but we are made sons and daughters of God. So the first motivation for adoption is his love. It starts in love, he predetermined. In love, he marked out the boundaries. In love, he made a way for you and I to be adopted. Because God loves you so much... Because God loves me so much, he made a way for us to become children of God. And so if you walked in this room 
this morning, and, and maybe you're sitting there and you're wondering, does God really love me? I mean, the God of the universe, the God that spoke everything into existence, the God who is running the cosmos, does he care about little old me? Does he, does he really love me? And this verse says he does. He made a way for you to become his child, to become a son or daughter of God. You see, God predetermined the boundaries of adoption. And then he sent his son Jesus to come to this earth. And Jesus lived a perfect life. And Jesus went to the cross and died for your sins and my sins. And Jesus rose from the grave. He defeated sin and death. And if you put your faith and trust in him, he will save you. And you become a child of God. So the first motivation for adoption is his love. Secondly, the second motivation is his glory. Look what it says in verse 5. It says, he, he provides this adoption for us. He adopts us according to the purpose of His will, verse 5, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. The Bible is very clear that God adopts us ultimately for His glory. That, that, that in our adoption, we see His amazing grace. And we are overwhelmed and overcome by the fact that God would want to make us His children. And because we are overwhelmed and overcome by that fact, we, we lift up our worship to Him and say, Thank you, God. You are, you are an awesome God. You are a loving God. You are a gracious God. And we are amazed by you. The word praise there speaks of recognition. The word glory means manifestation of His grace, uh, the, 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 the showing forth of His grace. And it says there, which He freely, or which He has blessed us with in the Beloved. Now that phrase, blessed us in the Beloved, is literally the phrase, He graced us with grace. That's how, that's how that, word, that phrase should be literally translated. To the praise of His glorious grace, grace with which He graced us. That's how it reads in the original language. So the, the idea here is that God has poured out favor upon favor upon favor, and our response should be praise. God seeks to show how praiseworthy He is by putting His grace on display. So entering into this Thanksgiving week, we're getting ready to, to spend time with family, friends, and eat big meals, and do all of that. But, but, but here's the deal. If you don't have anything to be thankful for, if you don't have anything to, to praise God for, praise Him that He showed His amazing grace in that He adopted you. Secondly, we see not only the motivation for adoption, but the means of adoption. Look what it says there in verse 5. In love, He predestined us. Again, that word is proorizo. It means to mark out the boundaries beforehand. But look what it says next. For adoption... To himself as sons, now look at this next preposition, through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. In other words, you only are adopted by God through Jesus Christ. You say, wait a minute, Pastor Wade, I thought that everyone is a son or daughter of God. That everyone can say, God is my Father. That is simply not true. It's not true. In fact, over in John chapter 8... When the Pharisees were disputing with Jesus, you know what Jesus said to the Pharisees? 
He said, your father is the devil. Wow. He wasn't trying to win friends and influence people. He was speaking truth. And apart from Christ, we have no... Listen, apart from Christ, there is no relationship with God. You are not his child if you don't know Christ. This adoption is through Jesus Christ. And it says there that he freely bestows this adoption on us, this grace with which he has blessed us. Here it is again, in the beloved. Speaking there of Christ, the, the, the beloved Son of God. This is made available in the beloved, in Jesus Christ. So that means that we are adopted on the basis of our faith in Jesus Christ. Period. You're only a child of God through Jesus Christ. And Jesus said it himself over in John 14, 6, when he said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Listen, no one comes to the Father except through me. The Bible is very clear. There is only one way to be saved, only one way to be adopted, only one way to have a relationship with God. It's through Christ. Listen to what the Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 12. To as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. How do you receive him? How do you become a child of God? Even to them that believe on his name. When you place your faith in Christ, you become a child of God. Galatians 3, 26. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God, listen, through faith. So adoption is only for those who know Jesus Christ, period. He's the only way to have this kind of relationship with God. Which leads to number three. This is where I want to spend most of our time. We've talked about the motivation for adoption and the, the means of adoption. But third, I want to just share some things about the meaning of adoption. What does it actually mean to be adopted? What is, the, what is this reality for us as Christians? Well, look what it says there in verse 5. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself. Now, that word adoption is uh, the, the word uh, huothesia, huothesia. And it's an interesting word in, in the first century. And the word is translated in our, in our English, adoption, but it has some, some, some cultural background in the first century. But let me just give you a definition, then we're going to unpack that definition. Adoption is the act whereby we are made children of God. Adoption is the act where God makes us his children. It happens at the moment of conversion, the moment we place our faith in Jesus Christ. So it's God taking us who are far from him and bringing us near to himself in a personal relationship whereby we can call him Father. Now this act of adoption secures for us two things. Number one, it secures for us a new legal standing. A new legal standing. It says that he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons, as sons through Jesus Christ. Now, Paul is writing this letter to the Christians in Ephesus in the first century who were Roman citizens. So, when they hear the word adoption, they're thinking the, the Roman custom 
the, the, the Roman legal realities concerning adoption. That, that's how they would understand the doctrine of adoption. And let me tell you two major aspects of Roman law concerning adoption. First of all, the adopted child had all of the rights of the other biological children. So if you were a mom and dad and you had three kids and then you went through the process of adopting a fourth child, that child had the same rights, the same rights of provision, the same rights of future inheritance, the same rights as the biological children. You were brought into an, an even standing with them. So think about what it means when God adopts us into his family. It means that we are now brought into an equality of relationship that is like unto the relationship that God the Father has with his own son, Jesus Christ. Now let that just settle on you for a moment. And you say, well, Pastor Wade, is that true? Are we really on even standing in terms of our relationship with God, the the same standing that Jesus himself is? Well, listen to what it says over in Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 17. The Bible says, You have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons. And it says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Listen. And if children... Heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Wow. Think about that. Think about that. You have the same kind of relationship with God now that Jesus has with his Father. You're on, a, you're on the, the same level in the family of God as you. You are a co-heir of Christ. Everything that is Christ's in his relationship with God is yours. We are co-heirs with him. That means that when we get to heaven, we can expect the fullness of inheritance, the presence of God, the, the peace of God, blessing upon blessing upon blessing, the same that Jesus will experience in heaven, we will experience as in heaven as children of God. Let me give you a second major aspect of Roman law concerning adoption, and this is good. In Roman law, the adoption could never be rescinded or overturned or annulled. In other words... When you were adopted into a Roman family, you couldn't be unadopted. That was your permanent status. You were forever a child in that family. Full legal rights and nothing could ever change it. So think about a Roman citizen reading Ephesians 1 verse 5. In Christ, you have been Adopted. You've been made a son or a daughter. You've been adopted. And they're thinking that means if I'm adopted by God, that means I can never be unadopted. 
I have this relationship with God which is amazing and I have this relationship with Him forever and ever and ever. It'll never ever change. It is secure. If you wonder if your relationship with God through Christ is secure, a little bit later in Ephesians 1 we're going to talk about being sealed in the Spirit. Once you're His, you are always His. Once you're a child of God, you will always be a child of God. That that status with the Lord will never, ever change change. So there is this legal standing that we have. We're co-heirs with Christ. We've been adopted. It'll never be rescinded. It'll, It'll never be annulled. It'll never be overturned. We're secure as a child of God, a new legal standing. I have some close friends that, and family members, that have gone through the process of adoption. I've walked with folks through international adoptions, adopting children from overseas. I've walked with people through domestic adoptions. And it's an emotional roller coaster because it's a very complicated process. And, and it's uh, a lot of financial needs that come with that. And a lot of paperwork that needs to be done. And a lot of uh, legal mechanisms need to, 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 to happen for you to adopt a child overseas and domestically. Now, and I've had some of those parents tell me the power of the moment when they're before the judge and everything's been completed and the judge just has to sign his name. And, and, and when that judge signs his name and makes his legal declaration, it's done. That child is their child now, and nothing and no one can ever change that reality. It's a, it's a powerful moment. It's a, a legal declaration. And when you met Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that's what happened to you. God declared, you are my child. A, a new legal standing. But listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Adoption is so much more than just a legal declaration. It's so much more than just a theological concept. Adoption is a new relationship. It speaks of your relationship with God. Look back in verse 5. I love this. You you can miss it. If you're just kind of reading through this passage, you can miss this little phrase, but it is so powerful. It says, In love he predestined us for adoption. Watch this. To himself. When he saved you and, and, and declared you to be his child, he brought you to himself. In other words, the greatest thing about being saved is not the fact that we'll be walking on streets of gold one day, even though we will be. The greatest blessing about being saved is not the fact that we get to walk through gates of pearl one day, even though we will. The greatest blessing of salvation is not the fact that we will enjoy heaven forever, even though we will, and I'm excited about heaven. The greatest blessing of salvation is when we place our faith in Christ, we get God. We get Him. He becomes our possession and our portion, our prize, our treasure. Listen, He saves us to bring bring us to Himself. We get God. God. Same thing happens over in Exodus chapter 19. The Lord says to the nation of Israel, 
He said, I brought you out of Egypt. I, I delivered you from Egyptian bondage and slavery. I bore you up on eagles' wings, and I brought you to myself. You get me. I'm the prize. I'm the treasure. Not the promised land, not just freedom from Egypt. Those are wonderful, but you get me. This verse says that we are adopted by God, and he brings us to himself. Here's the tremendous reality. We who are lost, sinful, and depraved can enter into an intimate relationship with the holy God of the universe. I don't think you just heard what I said. Because if you heard what I just said, you would have said amen. Let me say it again. We who are lost, sinful, and depraved can enter into an intimate relationship with the holy God of the universe. We get Him. We get Him. We get Him. The Lord becomes our treasure and our greatest joy. Now, thinking about that new relationship, it really helps me to think about my own children and what it's like to be their father. And thinking through that lens kind of helps me to maybe think about how God views us and what a relationship with us is like and and how we ought to think about that relationship. And as I, th- I think about, I, I thought about three words in, in terms of my own father-child relationship with, with my kids and, and how we can apply that to our relationship with God. The first word is the word address. How my kids address me. When uh, my kids greet me or when they want something. They don't say, oh, grandfather, great father, whatever. Wonderful father. Oh, wonderful father. Would you, would you please grant me this need that I have in my life at the present moment? No, they, when I, they were little, it was daddy. Now mainly it's dad. Dad! Dad! There was an intimacy, familiarity, where they could just call me dad. And I love hearing it. And I love responding to it. In Romans 8, the passage I just read, and Galatians 4 says that that in Christ, we've been given a spirit of adoption that causes us, listen, to cry out, Abba, Father. That word Abba is an Aramaic word. It's the word for a family relationship. Father, the word father is a formal, a formal word, pater in the Greek language. Abba is a more uh, intimate term between children and, and their dad. It would translate something like papa, papa. And the, and the Bible says that if we know Christ, we've been adopted, we become children of God. Now we have this immense privilege to speak with God in this intimate way and call him Papa, Daddy. That's how special our relationship with God is. In the early 2000s, I went on a mission trip to Southeast Asia other side of the world, about as far away as you can get from 
where our home was in North Mississippi. And uh, we snuck in a satellite phone. You weren't allowed to have it legally in the country, but we snuck it in. I didn't know it was illegal until the person I was traveling with told me, and it was in my bag. But anyway, we made it. We made it. And we got into the country. We flew to another place up country, and then we drove for hours. I mean, we were, we were literally in the middle of nowhere. But I wanted to let Claire know that I was safe, so we said, let's try the satellite phone. This, they were big old things back in these days, just long antenna. And so we, we turned the satellite phone on. Claire was with her family. She had taken, we just had one child at the time, Cameron. She took Cameron, and they were with, with family. And, and so I, uh, I called and, and, and got through. Could hear Claire's voice, a little, not a really clear call, but enough I could hear and said, we're okay. Uh, you know, we're safe. We made it. And she said, hey, someone wants to talk to you. And I think Cameron was probably about a year and a half at this time, somewhere right in there. Uh, someone wants to talk to you. And she put him on the phone. You know what he said? Daddy. Oh, it squeezed my heart. I was lonely. I was missing my family, other side of the world, and my little boys. And Daddy. And then he started doing the tomahawk chop. He started going, oh, oh, oh. That's how we relate. But But that, that, that familiarity, the way that it squeezed my heart when he called me dad, could, listen, could it, be, could it be that God feels the exact same way when we come to him and call him Abba, call him Father, come to him as his children? Do you, do you think he loves it when we recognize that we're adopted, that we're his? I think that he does address. I believe that oftentimes in church we learn formality and normality. And we need to learn intimacy. We need to learn that because this relationship is available, we can spend time with God and talk to him and walk with him and bring our cares and our concerns there was one time, Claire was working one, one day, and I had all four kids, and I, I remember there, there, it was just a needy day. I don't know what was going on, but dad, 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 dad. You know what I said? I finally said, I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, proud of this, but here's what I said. I don't want to hear the word dad anymore today. Aren't you glad God doesn't say that? God never says, I'm tired of you calling me dad. No, God loves it. He's honored. When we come to him again and again and again, bringing to him our needs. And so, address. We get to call him Abba Father. The second word I thought about, thinking about my relationship with God, my relationship with my kids, is the word access. Access. My kids have an access to me that that really no one else does. It's a father-child relationship. And, and, and I notice, and it changes as they get a little bit older, but, but particularly the early years, well, your kids, they just want to be with you. They don't necessarily have to do anything. They just want to just be with you, and they just love being with you. I, I remember there was a, a stage uh, when uh, Abby Faith, she was a little girl, and... and uh, we had, we had some, some long Sundays at that time in the life of the church. I was preaching three or four times a day, and I'd come home on Sunday night, and I'd just be exhausted. And, and, um, 
I remember Sunday night was mine and Abby face time. I had this chair, and I'd come home, and I'd just collapse in the chair because I was tired. And, and, and Claire would take Abby Faith. She's a little girl. She'd take Abby Faith and give her a bath and put on some clean pajamas, and then she would hand her to me. That was our, and we just, we just sat there, just together, just sat there. And that was our special time, and she just loved being with Dad. There's a limited number of people who can sit in my chair with me. I don't want everybody sitting in the chair with me. Amen? But my kids, they get access to me because I'm their dad. Particularly when my kids were little, boy, they love just to be with dad. If I'm out in the yard walking around with dad, if just being with dad. And isn't it funny how as we grow older as Christians, we lose sight of that? The idea that we get to just be with God, just sit in His presence, walk with Him, talk with Him, know that He is there. Listen, don't lose the, the, the incredible reality that as a child of God, we have special access to Him. We get to be in His presence anytime we want to be, and we can stay as long as we want to. Amen? There's another word I thought about. Father-child relationship. It's the word distress. Distress. You've experienced this as a parent or a grandparent. If you're with your children and you're in an uncertain situation, maybe a big crowd, something a little bit scary, and, and, and your kids just aren't real sure when they're, when they're little, they'll grab hold of you, right? Grab your leg, want you to pick them up. And in that moment of distress, they want to be close to dad knowing that they're safe with dad. And I thought about that in, in terms of my adoption, my spiritual adoption. Isn't that how we should be? When we're in a moment of distress, oh, we get to cling to the Father and know that he is with us in the midst of that uncertainty and to know that he's in control and to know that he cares about us and to know that it's going to be okay, we get to cling to God himself because we are his children. So when you find yourself in a moment of distress, you're no ordinary Joe. You're a child of Almighty God. You're His. Cling to Him. Run to Him. Hold on to Him. Because He is your Father. And by the way, wait, you remember playground arguments with other kids? My dad can beat your dad. My dad can beat up your dad. Hey, no matter what you're going through, I guarantee you, your Father in Heaven is bigger than whatever you're going through. He wins. Amen? And so, we've talked about the motivation for adoption, the means of adoption, the meaning of adoption. I hope that you'll just take a few moments today to just be grateful that in Christ you are a child of God and that you would live that out, live in that intimate relationship with Him as Father every day because He adopted you to Himself. I, I want to close by saying this. Maybe you're here and you have a great dad. Your dad was what a dad should be, right? 
strong and faithful and honest and loving and caring. And you think, boy, my dad, what, God gave me a great dad. I, I'm grateful for my, my dad. My dad's a great dad. And when you think about that, think about this. God is all of those good things in your dad in an unlimited way. He is infinitely good. So as you appreciate your earthly dad and and, and the goodness you enjoyed, think about your Father in Heaven who is all of those things in perfection. That's your Father. But it also might be true this morning that you're here and for whatever reason you didn't have a good relationship with your biological father. Maybe you have troubled thoughts as you think about your relationship, the, the, maybe the imperfections of your dad, the failures of your dad, and, and you think about fatherhood and, and, and it kind of grips your heart and it makes you feel a little bit sad. Can I tell you this? For everyone that longs for a good Good Father. Our God says, come to me. Come to me. I'll be the Father you never had. I'll love you like you've never been loved. I'll meet every need that you have. Come to me. Come to my Son Christ and you can be my child. Isn't that good news? So whether you have a good thought about fathers or a troubling thought about fathers, oh, how good it is that in Christ we get God as Father. Thank you for listening. We pray you've been encouraged and inspired by God's Word. May the Lord richly bless you.